ho, ho, on a Tuesday, going up on a Tuesday, all right, um, so I know a lot of people are, um, you know, gonna be fucking quarantined and shit because of this fucking shit, and now with Christmas and stuff, so you have the quarantine and Christmas, so a lot of people are gonna be sitting on the couch, not really doing anything for uh, the rest of the week, probably next week, into next week, and everything, so what I've decided to do is record two two podcasts this week, we're going to do our normal uh, Wednesday episode tomorrow, but today I figured, you know, since I finished uh, my finals and shit yesterday, that I don't really have anything to do today. Fuck it. I might as well just make a podcast. I'm going to list out a bunch of things that I've been watching, uh, you know, to give, give out some recommendations, uh, kind of gonna go category by category based on, you know, give people options of what they, they may like. And, um, you know, you can just kind of choose if anything sparks your interest. I'm going to talk about each one individually, kind of what I thought about it, if I enjoyed it, that kind of thing. And I'm also going to talk about some movies that I have on my list coming up that I'm going to be seeing, some of which will be in theaters, others kind of that are just on my on my list. So, uh, so yeah. I figured this would be just a good opportunity to give people some um, options of stuff to watch while they're fucking kicking it during this shit. And uh, hopefully some of you will pick up on some of this and and find something that you may like. So I, I have a bunch of different genres here with a bunch of different movies that I just kind of wrote down off the top of my head tried to uh, go through each each and every genre that I at least that I could think of and just you know kind of give the what movies that I've seen this year movies that have just stood out at least in the in you know recent memory just in terms of stuff that I've enjoyed and would recommend to other people some of it I will say and I will make it like overwhelmingly clear who I would recommend this to because you know there are (laughs) at least several people listening to this and you know obviously there are going to be some movies that I would recommend to one person and not the other that sort of thing so I'm going to be very very clear in the target audience that I would be recommending these types of movies to just because I don't want anybody picking up something that I would feel very strongly about them disliking, because then at that point, what's the point of even recommending anything? So to get started, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm yeah. I guess we'll we'll get started with uh, some of the movies that. I'm looking forward to seeing, because after all, it is my podcast, so it is about me. Um, These are some of the ones that are, I'm going to be talking about 
some of the ones that I'm planning on seeing in theaters, uh, potentially next week. So, you know, one that, one that's been on my list for honestly years, years, I've been waiting for this movie for years, uh, is Licorice Pizza. And that movie is made by, other than Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson is hands down my favorite filmmaker. Um, you know, it's kind of like a 1A, 1B type deal with him and Tarantino in terms of making my, personally, my favorite movies. He, by all accounts, is probably the greatest filmmaker alive and potentially ever. You know, I just preferred Quentin's style of movies over his, just as a tiny smidge. But by all accounts, in terms of like actual writing talent, and he does it all. Like he does the fucking music, he writes it, he directs it, he produces. Like he fucking does it all. Like this guy is fucking amazing. And you know his movies. I'll get into the rest of kind of his movies in in a little bit. I guess in the segment right after this, um, his movies are just fucking amazing. And this one. I definitely am recommend, even though I haven't seen it, you know, I know that I'm going to love it because I love this guy and I love everything he's about. Uh, but this movie, I would recommend a lot more than most of his movies because most of his movies have kind of like a weird, like unsettling tone to them a little bit. And, um, you know, some of them could definitely rub people the wrong way and, and people could definitely find them weird or, you know, obtuse or, you know, a little intense even. This one, from what I've read, what I've heard, is by far his most, like, lighthearted, just, like, wholesome movie. Um, you know, I know, like, you know, off the bat, it's gonna, it's exceptionally made because of who's behind the camera. Uh, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son is the lead actor. It's his first time on screen. And then it's Alana Haim, who's uh, part of, like, an indie rock band with her sisters it's also her first time on the big screen and you know what i often say about you know the the level of talent of someone like this filmmaker is it doesn't really matter who's on the screen it really matters who's behind the camera so you know no matter who's who he's throwing out there that they're that they're going to be excellent and he's going to get the best to come out of them uh, Bradley Cooper's in this thing. Uh, you know, there's some other big names in there as well that play kind of lesser parts. But I think that this is just kind of a, a, a good, just any type, it doesn't matter who you are, go out and see a type movie. Uh, it's getting a lot of buzz for, um, best picture at the Academy Awards and, you know, it's definitely going to be one that, that should be on everybody's radar and, and is going to be, I believe, appreciated by pretty much anybody. So uh, that's been on my list. You know, I'm a nerd about this shit. So I've known that he was, you know, originally it was called like Soggy Bottom. Uh, I've been waiting for this shit for fucking years. So finally, it's coming to the Regal next week. So I'm definitely going to be fucking seeing that. That's number one on my list. Um, number two is uh, the new Macbeth movie. This is another situation where it's just it's just for the filmmaker. 
I, I have really no interest in, in Shakespeare. Um, there's a guy named Kenneth Branagh, who I'm sure many of you would recognize. He was the bad guy in Tenet, for those who've seen Tenet. You would recognize him. He's been in a bunch of different movies. He is, I believe he's doing, I believe he, let's see, was he the, yeah, he was the director of this Belfast movie. Uh, that's also getting a lot of buzz uh, that people may have heard of as well. Uh, you know, he's he's another kind of guy that's a, um, you know, very talented actor, director, but he is his the, a lot a big part of his career has been remaking uh, Shakespeare stuff, and it's just not my bag. Like his like he's doing basically like direct representation like theater type stuff on screen of the Shakespeare stuff just like boring boy that that has no interest to me whatsoever but this Macbeth is being made by Joel Cohen who is known for um you know better known as being one of the quote-unquote Cohen brothers for whatever reason he took this project onto his own so uh you know I don't know if there's any family drama there whatever whatever um, it stars Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Um, it's, it definitely does not look like, and nor would I expect it to look like coming from him. He, the, these guys as the team uh, are best known for making movies like the big Lebowski and, uh, and no country for old men. And, you know, more kind of, you know, they're also known for making like more obscure shit like uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, they've done like romantic comedies, but they work closely with George Clooney. Oh, brother, we're out there. Where art thou? These guys are all over the map between like serious drama and just like goofy comedy. And um, one movie that I saw of theirs recently uh, rewatched it was the remake of True Grit. True Grit was the old John Wayne movie back in the day. And I remember when that came out, not thinking much of it because I didn't really know, you know, kind of what I know now about like, you know, these guys being tremendous filmmakers and then having given it a few watches over the years, it's definitely like what probably the greatest remake ever made. Like it's probably, it's better than the original. It's just like, it's an insane movie of where, you know, on the, on, on kind of the surface level, it kind of seems like a boring, just remake of an old movie, whatever. But these guys just take everything and make it into their own where it's kind of like serious and also funny. And, and just, it, it's really, it, it's amazing what these guys are able to do. And I'm definitely a great admirer. They're, definitely one of my favorite filmmakers as well so him being attached to this project early reviews are out of control good so that doesn't surprise me whatsoever so um you know a lot of a lot of the stuff that i decide to watch are by the people who's who make it and this is definitely this is definitely one that i definitely want to see too uh french dispatch uh wes anderson movies like grand budapest hotel people are familiar with moonrise kingdom uh, Royal Tenenbaums, like those quirky, weird, uh, you know, vibrant movies. They all kind of have the similar vibe. French Dispatch is just his next iteration of that. From what I've heard is kind of mixed reviews uh, where he's kind of gone overboard with his style a little bit. Uh, but I, I like that. I think 
Uh, it's kind of, you know, an easy watch where, you know, his movies are just very, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're heartwarming. They're, they're easy watch. They're family friendly, you know, adult movies. It's not like, you know, family friendly where you're going to watch with like kids and shit, but it's those, his movies are always something to watch with like mom and dad. Um, you know, Macbeth, I would say that's probably one that I wouldn't recommend to everybody. Just somebody, just people who are really interested in an incredibly well-made film. French Dispatch, I think is a family friendly movie. Watch with anybody kind of thing. So I definitely need to get around to seeing that too. Nightmare Alley is another one, another big one. Bradley Cooper's had a big end of the year here. Uh, ever since the hangover, I mean, Bradley Cooper, you could argue is, uh, one of, the top top billings in Hollywood, um, you know, from any perspective. I mean, you get him in a comedy movie, he's awesome. You get him in a fucking serious movie like this, he's fucking awesome. You know, uh, Star is Born and fucking directed that shit now, too. Like, he's a fucking powerhouse right now. Him being in Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley, which is made by Guillermo del Toro, who I will also get to in a minute now. Um, this is you know, kind of his style is thriller, kind of horror, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in a little bit of a vein of like fantasy, whatever, whatever you want to call it. His movies are definitely unique. And this is definitely one that I think needs to be seen by everybody. I, again, I, I don't know with him cause he could go either direction of like it being one that you would watch with like, you know, like he definitely has a tendency to make like a guy's movie or a family movie. I, I, I'm i not sure. I think it's probably going to err on the side of like something that you could, again, watch with like a, a um, uh, an adult audience, no matter who you're watching it with. I think it's going to be appreciated by most people. Um, you know, it's it's about like a, a, a psychologist who can read minds and he like forms like a very fucked up relationship with uh, another doctor. And it seems as if they kind of start preying on people for money and like doing some fucked up twisted shit between the two of them. So it's definitely definitely going to be an interesting one. Um, Last Night in Soho is another movie that came out this week where it's kind of like a... Uh, trippy trippy style horror movie made by Edgar Wright who is known for doing the Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz he's a British director uh, making those uh, comedies he did Baby Driver great filmmaker too it didn't get crazy great reviews but definitely just another guy that I admire who I definitely want to go out and see this and then there's a lot of buzz about uh, Batman and um this north the the northman movie coming out so i just wanted to touch and give my two cents on those two uh the batman uh matt reeves is the new director so obviously anybody who's who has such a great appreciation for um you know, the, the, the Dark Knights knows the name Christopher Nolan. And Christopher Nolan is, again, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. So I think it's going to be hard to compare the two. But if anybody is going to have a similar feel 
It's Matt Reeves, who is best known for um, uh, for doing um, uh, the the new Planet of the Apes movies. He did a Cloverfield. He snuck in some uh, horror movie called Let Me In some years back, um, you know, all of which have been renowned, um, you know, both critically and, um, you know, from the common man as well. So this guy's a super talented filmmaker. If you've seen the Planet of the Apes movies, you know, this guy like has a tendency to take a, um, you know, like a, a comic book type concept, uh, a remake, whatever you want to call it and make it really gritty make it powerful, make it, you know, um, kind of uh, fucked up at times. So he's definitely got that in him. I, I, you know, just, it's hard for me to tell the level at at which, um, you know, his, uh, his movies can, you know, he just doesn't have some of the, uh, um, true filmmaking power that Christopher Nolan does, at least in his, you know, his filmography is very limited. So it's tough to say, but, you know, in the small sample size that he has given us, uh, where he's, you know, mostly functioned as mostly a, mostly a director, he has co-written many of these things as well. Um, you know, he definitely has some chops. So I think there's definitely some solace in that. The, you know, with the trailer and the hype train, it's getting fucking blown out of proportion, in my opinion. Um, you know, Pattinson is another guy where, you know, similar to Cooper, like he's he can't pick a bad project right now. It almost seems like everything that he's in is going to be good. Um, he wouldn't he's he's the type of guy at this point in his career where he can fucking pick whatever he wants. And his team around him is going to make sure that it's has a good chance of probably being pretty good. So I think there's something to be said about that as well. But to expect this Batman to be at the level of the Dark Knights or anywhere near them, uh, I think is probably a tall order regardless. Um, you know, the one thing that I think could be interesting is that DC has obviously made it aware that they're comfortable with these types of movies being rated R now. So that could be a step, uh, uh, you know, kind of a step in this movie's favor compared to the dark Knight, where, you know, maybe they could take some extra liberties with some things that could be a little bit more interesting. But at the end of the day, I don't know how you top the dark Knight, even the dark Knight and the, the even Batman begins like those three movies are like, I don't know how you can make a better Batman. And I don't know how you can make something that's relatively close. I think that this, so I guess in summary, what I'm saying is I think this guy is capable of making something that's close to those movies, but the probability of it being as good or better is almost zero in my opinion. So the, uh, you know, the, the, the way in which this is being perceived by people who don't have any idea about the difference between these filmmakers, I think is irresponsible. But at the end of the day, it's a production company's job to market something and build this type of hype. I'm just saying to my listeners and my viewers 
that don't don't get fucking don't don't lose your feet and just get fucking swooped away by this thing. And then when it finally comes out, um, you know, you're going to be disappointed that it didn't fucking live up to the hype. Because like I'm saying, the hype is that this thing is going to be just as good as just as good or better than the Dark Knight. And I'm telling you that that's near impossible. So do I think it's going to be good? Yes. I definitely think that it's going to be good. I definitely think that it's going to be worth watching. It's definitely going to be worth monitoring to see what kind of rating this gets. If they do try and take that liberty in a rated R uh, rating, that's definitely going to be all interesting stuff. But to expect it to be at the level of the Nolan films is crazy. But we shall see. Um, Then the other movie that is gaining a lot of hype now with the release of the trailer yesterday is The Northman. Now, The Northman is made by another great filmmaker in Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers is best known for directing The Witch and most recently The Lighthouse, two uh, kind of indie horror movies, if you haven't seen them. Um, I would suspect that those two movies by most people would not be enjoyed (laughs) at all. They're fucking wild ass movies. The Witch, maybe not so much. Uh, It's kind of a slow burn. I didn't find it that scary. Uh, I'm going to get into horror movies in a minute. Um, the Lighthouse I thought was excellent. Not, again, not scary. Definitely trippy. I don't know how appreciated that would be by the common uh, moviegoer. Uh, probably not very much at all, I would suspect. Uh, so The Northman is made by this guy. Uh, anybody who knows uh, you know, guys like Robert Eggers, if you do know these types of names, you know that they work closely with a production company called A24. I am a huge fan of A24. But the thing with A24 is that they are, um, at least for people in the know, they are overwhelmingly, I guess, they overwhelmingly push their movies the wrong way. Uh, you know, ones that come to mind are, like uncut gems or um uh what was one that was massively just mismarketed like spring breakers spring breakers was so mismarketed because it was marketed as like some fucking like comedy movie with all these hot girls going down to like palm palm beach and like fucking partying their asses off and it was if anybody has seen that movie you know that it's not even close to that like it's fucking not even close so i think that they are i not that i think that they are commonly a a company that produces movies that are widely critically acclaimed but are not appreciated by mass audiences and i'm and Robert Eggers' movie, previous two movies have, have been A24 productions, and I can tell you that they, they, are, they fall into that bucket. This movie is not being produced by A24, so it's hard to say that this, that this is going to be the same thing. Uh, but he is a director that's worked close with them before, so I can't say that it's not. My expectation is seeing his previous two movies is that they're a little weird, they're a little off-kilter. This movie is already being marketed as like the finally we're going to get a movie that's similar to uh, Game of Thrones, you know, something that was so widely enjoyed by so many people and was so popular. There hasn't been a medieval type movie to kind of match that popularity and, and match that success. 
And I think people are kind of searching for that. And I think that this is the next one that's gotten on everybody's radar. And for, for every good reason, what I'm bringing to light here is kind of the same thing we're bat with Batman is that I have no doubt that this is going to be expertly made, expertly written, extremely well done. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. I just have the expectation that a lot of people are going to go into this and they're going to be weirded out by a lot of the shit that he decides to put in the movie because that's what he does. His movies are fucking weird. They're they purposely make you feel uncomfortable in a certain way. And a lot of people don't like that. Uncut Gems is the perfect fucking example. It made people feel so uncomfortable to the point where they didn't like it. And I'm saying that it's possible that this is going to be the same. Where everybody's going to get hyped up for this movie. They're going to go see it. And they're going to, it's going to fucking rub them the wrong way in, you know, a few, in, in like half the scenes. And then they're going to be like, oh, that was shit. It's going to be critically acclaimed, and then you have, you're going to have the average movie go, go watch it and be like, eh, that was weird. That made me feel weird. That was bad. That's what I'm expecting. But, again, I could be wrong. I'm just trying to give people at least a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a raise awareness to these types of things before they go into it. Because this is what fucking happens, is that people don't know these things and then they go into the movie and that's when they become disappointed and i'm trying to avoid that so as i was saying going through these um you know these are the ones that i want to watch uh and i i said that i was going to dive into a little bit of uh some of the other movies that these guys that i'm excited to watch their new new movies kind of some of their old movies that 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 that, that they have made that i want to recommend to people as well to kind of give you an idea of how awesome these guys are. So uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson guy, his movies include um, Boogie Nights. If you haven't seen it, you need to drop whatever you're doing right now and go see it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to women. I don't suspect that any women are listening to this, but for any guy that is listening to this, if you haven't seen this fucking movie, you need to stop whatever you're doing right now and go watch it. Uh, Boogie Nights is definitely one that, that everybody needs to see. Um, he's made Magnolia, which is a super intense movie, but an incredible movie. One of my favorite movies. Um, I, I don't know how many people I would recommend that to. You'd have to be a real fucking film freak like me to actually appreciate that. Um, then Punch Drunk Love is, is, is an, uh, a serious movie that Adam Sandler did fucking 20 years ago. Everybody wanted to pretend like Uncut Gems was the only serious movie that he's ever done in his career, which is not true. He was in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie called Punch Drug Love, which is super awesome. Again, don't know if I would recommend it to many people. Uh, it is very, uh, you know, not, uh, it's definitely a little uncomfortable. Um, then he would, then he went with, uh, there will be blood, which I think is an, another excellent, excellent movie. Uh, a, a crime that didn't win best picture, but that's because there was a better movie made that year. Just, just happened to be that way. Um, would recommend that to any guy as well. The Master, another one recommended to any guy. Inherent Vice and Phantom Thread is one. Uh, that was Daniel Day-Lewis's last movie. Uh, that's one that like nobody ever, I'm sure like some people have been, oh yeah, I've heard of that, heard of that, whatever. Phantom Thread fucking nobody's ever heard of. 
did get nominated for Best Picture in 2017 when it came out. Is Daniel Day Lewis is his like swan song, like his fucking last movie, and it is fucking awesome. It's really awesome. That's one that I've been pushing a lot. Uh, people need to see that. It's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a what would you call it? Like a period period piece, kind of like in you know 50s, like fashion London. Like it's fucking and it takes a crazy ass turn. Like it is an awesome awesome movie, and people need to more people need to watch it. Uh, so he's the director of Licorice Pizza, the director of Nightmare Alley. The other Bradley Cooper movie is Guillermo del Toro. Uh, he's the guy who did, uh, The Shape of Water, uh, which I know a lot of people didn't like. I fucking love that movie. Uh, he did The Hellboys. He's a very, like, visually creative director. Uh, Pacific Rim he did as well. Um, and Pan's Labyrinth is a Spanish language movie that is widely considered one of the best movies made in the last 20 years. It's on Netflix. If you could stomach subtitles, which a lot of people I think have gotten comfortable with over the last couple of years with Parasite and Squid Game. Now, if you're feeling more comfortable with fucking subtitles, Pan's Labyrinth is like fucking Alice in Wonderland for adults. Like it is genuinely like I remember when I watched it for the first time, I like fucking literally clapping to myself in my room. It was so fucking good. That is an amazing, amazing movie. And I think now that that's something that I can finally recommend because people, you know, obviously don't mind the subtitles too much anymore. Um, another one of his movies that I recently watched was Crimson Peak, also on Netflix. Uh, it stars the guy that got popular recently as the star is Loki, the fucking Marvel shit. I don't even know. I don't even know what it's about, but Tom Hiddleston. Um, it's another kind of period type movie where it's, um, uh, you know, it's based in, based in London and it's this guy and his sister and like, they try and swindle people for money into their fucking haunted house and shit. Really, really good movie. Also would recommend that to pretty much anybody. So he's an awesome, awesome filmmaker too. Um, the Coen brothers kind of give you an idea of Macbeth. I talked a little bit about, um, whatchamacallit, uh, No Country for Old Men, that was the film that won Best Picture of the Year that There Will Be Blood came out, uh, that is a fucking all-timer, that's another one, if you haven't seen it, fucking drop everything that you're doing, go put that on, I believe it's on HBO, I watched it again this year at some point, fucking unbelievable movie, um, you know, Big Lebowski too, you can't watch that movie enough, um, some of their other ones, um, let me just pull it up. Oh, I can't fucking remember everything. Um, let's see here. Miller's Crossing, awesome. Fargo, uh, Intolerable Cruelty with George Clooney. Burn After Reading is like a sneaky fucking hilarious movie. I showed that to a couple friends earlier in the year. They were fucking laughing their asses off. That one I also believe is on Netflix. A Serious Man. Um, another, another favorite of mine, definitely like very, like very frustrating ending, but also will really make you think, uh, Inside Lewin Davis is a movie that people fucking hate. I absolutely fucking love it. A lot of their movies, it's like you get to the end and it's just like, what did I just watch? What just happened? It's like nothing happened. <laughs> I love that shit. Um, some people don't. If you do, go out and go and check some of these out uh, or text me and I can fucking tell you what to watch. 
another guy that I wanted. So I'm just going. These are these are kind of uh, drama movies. Uh, so I like I said at the beginning, I went I went um, I went kind of genre by genre and just wrote down some shit that I think people should should watch. Um, so all of these. So basically, what I did. What I did with these guys was for drama, I said, name Paul Thomas Anderson movies, Del Toro movies, Coen Brothers movies, uh, Wes Anderson movies. So if you haven't seen Grand Budapest and you like his shtick, you need to go see that. You need to see Royal Tenenbaums. The 20 year anniversary of that movie was a couple days ago. Another awesome movie. Rushmore is one that often gets overlooked. One of my simply favorite movies um, with Bill Murray. And Jason Schwartzman, uh, that's that's I know that for a fact is on Amazon Prime because I watched it recently too. That is a fucking awesome, awesome, awesome movie. People need to see more of that. I also wrote down Spike Jones movies because uh, I watched a, I rewatched a couple of those uh, recently too. Uh, he's only directed three movies, but all three. Well, actually, I actually hate one of them. Uh, actually, excuse me, four movies. Uh, three of the four absolutely love adaptation. He did the uh, uh, where the wild things are and her, which is all, which is I rewatched her this year after the breakup, and like that is simply one of the best movies ever made. I don't care what anybody says. Some of the lines in that movie will make you think harder than you would ever like to. That's a fucking amazing movie. Go rewatch that. Where the Wild Things Are doesn't get enough credit. That's a fucking awesome movie too. And Adaptation is a it's a dual starring Nicolas Cage movie and just being Oh, I got fucking cut off because my AirPods died. Uh but yeah, uh Adaptation dual starring Nicolas Cage movie of him just being fucking crazy. Definitely recommend that as well. All right. So those are the drama movies that I would suggest made by look up any of those directors, any of those movies. Those are the ones that if I, if you're looking for kind of like a more serious, like kind of heavy, uh, kind of, uh, brainy type movies, uh, definitely look those up. Awesome, awesome, awesome movies. And if you've seen some some of them, they all deserve a a rewatch at any time of the fucking day, any time of the night. Anytime ever. All right. So I guess I would like to get into um, more. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I would get into more like mainstream, like family friendly type stuff. But I don't know. None of the fucking shit that I wrote down here. Um, I guess we'll go with action. Let's go with action next. Because I feel like people who, you know, none of these movies are weird. Like, none of these are fucking weird. <laughs> so, I think people will appreciate these. Um, so, uh, Mel Gibson has kind of made a little bit of a late career underground uh, action resurgence. He's honestly been in some fucking good action movies lately. And, uh, I, I don't love action. Definitely not like my cup of tea, but I obviously still watch it. And I have five here that I've seen just this year that I definitely recommend. Uh, 
Uh, one of which, so I'm going to go with the two Gibson movies first. Bloodfather is one that can be seen on HBO. Um, that movie is basically about Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson's like an estranged father and his daughter kind of gets into, you know, she starts dating some guy who's like, you know, kind of a piece of shit and like in a gang or some shit like that. And his, her, or excuse me, her boyfriend ends up getting robbed. And, um, basically what happens is, you know, a bunch of guys come in and like rob the, he's like a drug deal. So a bunch of guys come in, rob the boyfriend and like, you know, she doesn't really like the boyfriend. So she kind of uses this as an opportunity to like kill the boyfriend on her own. So, obviously, she has to fucking head for the hills, and um, she asks her estranged father, Mel Gibson, to kind of protect her. And that's basically what the movie kind of ends up, you know, going on from there. Awesome, awesome, awesome movie. At times, really funny. At times, like, really good action. Um, You know, definitely, if you're in the mood for, like, kind of like a, you know shoot him up bloody type action flick, highly recommend that one. His other one that I really enjoyed uh, is this movie called Dragged Across Concrete. I know the fucking, the fucking title is pretty brutal, and the movie itself is definitely pretty brutal. Uh, interesting kind of, um, you know, slow burn drama about, it's actually Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn, um, I'm going to get to Vince Vaughn in a second here because he's also kind of turned a late career uh, action stint into place, which is pretty interesting for him as well. But this movie is about two cops who um, basically get kicked, kicked off duty for some, you know, uh, relevant, timely uh, cop abuse towards a, a minority and um you know they live in shitty neighborhoods as well so it's kind of like you know this um social class observation between like the cops who commit these types of crimes as well as like the people that they are committing them against and it becomes you know this kind of it enrolls into this um you know scheme that they find themselves into to kind of start participating in criminal behavior so they can fucking get out of the slums and shitty places that they live, kind of like the people that they were arresting. So it's like this observation piece of that whole kind of like, um, you know, uh, shit that's going on with all of that. Um, And it, it, it honestly is a really good, like, action movie involving all of that so i definitely recommend that one as well i believe it's on a couple of different streaming services i thought i bring up vince vaughn because the same filmmaker who it's this guy called craig zoller he's been making like these kind of like that falling under the radar somehow completely action flicks that are really 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 good um so that one was with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. He also made another movie, a prison action movie with Vince Vaughn called Brawl and Cellbox 99. I've been telling people to fucking watch this movie for years and nobody listens to me. I don't know why. People will fucking watch that fucking bullshit movie 
with Ryan Reynolds and The Rock on Netflix. They'll watch that, but they won't listen to their fucking friend John, who knows everything about fucking movies and knows good movies. I don't get it, but that's what happens. So I'm going to bring up this movie again and tell people that they need to watch it. This is another one. I mean, these action movies, you know, watch it with your dad or with your brother or like with your friends or something like that. These are not, you know, movies for women. These are like brutal, brutal movies. Um, But good. Very good. And this one is no different. This one, I would say, takes a particularly uh, strong set of stones to be able to sit through and see some of the shit that goes on. Uh, But it's basically Vince Vaughn gets pinned for, uh, you know, similar to the movie that I just mentioned. He gets pinned for... um, you know, doing some crimes that he was just trying to get his family into a better place because he just had a baby and stuff. Um, and he ends up getting a, getting a, uh, arrested. And the whole movie basically becomes about him in being in prison, um, getting to the guy who's um, kind of running the gang, running the gang that, that's tormenting his family within the prison. So I think we all know that, like, criminals are able to still maintain running operations within prison confines so this movie is about him finding the guy who's fucking with his family outside of jail awesome awesome movie highly recommend it could not recommend that one more that's probably one of my favorite action flicks of all time uh triple nine is another one readily available on a lot of platforms uh made by another talented film filmmaker that i'm almost not i mean i i could I guess I'll I guess I'll talk about it and bore people. Uh I did have to start a whole new uh segment, so I have another fucking hour, so there you go. Um So John Hillcoat is this Australian director. Uh he um he's not super well known, uh, but his movies are good. Um you know, one that I think some people may have seen is this movie Lawless with, with Tom Hardy and um, Shia LaBeouf uh, about some prohibition gangsters. That's a good one. Triple Nine is with, a, a, honestly, a fucking great cast. Um, Casey Affleck, Aaron Paul, the guy from fucking Breaking Bad's in it. Um, Woody Harrelson's in it. Fucking uh, Anthony Mackie's in it. Some like big name people, uh, I don't understand, like, why, why, why this kind of, like, fell through the cracks, um, you know, this is, this is, like, this is a good movie with, like, a good cast, um, and similar to, you know, a lot of the action-type movies, especially the one that I'm, that I'm gonna bring up next is almost like a, almost a similar similar type premise uh it's like a bunch of like navy seals and cops and and stuff like that rob a fucking bank to um get like this uh i don't know like code or something from a safe deposit box uh from like a big time uh russian mobster to like sell it for a bunch of money or some shit just again to fucking better their lives because cops and navy seals don't make shit awesome movie, uh, I believe it is on Netflix, go and check that one out too, um, 
awesome. Like, just a good fucking, just like a mindless, just shoot them up, fucking good action flick. Good characters you can root for, the whole thing. And then Wrath of Man is the final one I have here on my list. Uh, it's basically, it's a fucking, it's honestly the best Jason Statham movie ever made. Um, it's made by the same guy who did, uh, The Gentleman and Snatch and, you know, he directed the fucking, um, you know, Aladdin movie, Guy Ritchie, you know, he's a big time Hollywood director. When he makes his own projects, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're usually widely well-liked, at least by, (laughs) at least by guys. Wrath of Man, Jason Statham, Mob Boss, uh, for some reason, he's like going out somewhere with his kid, and his kid, like he, like he's a mob boss who robs banks, and he goes out to like watch a baseball game with his son, and uh, he stops for like ice cream or something with his son, and a competing rival bank robbing group shoots his son and kills his son, so he then. Uh, applies for a job because they run excuse me they don't rob banks they they rob uh arm armored trucks with you know like brinks trucks so he then applies for a job to become a brinks truck driver so he can wait for the group who killed his son to rob his truck so he could fucking slaughter them basically it's a fucking awesome, awesome, awesome movie. I went and saw that in theaters by myself over Memorial Day. There was nobody there. I was fucking so happy. It is an awesome movie. Wrath of Man. Could not recommend it more. Uh, all right. So that takes care of action. Um, let's get into horror. I've got into a bit of a horror movie kick over the last year or so as well. Um... You know, I, I, I've watched a bunch of horror movies. I can't say that any of them have been particularly scary. I didn't watch any horror movies for years and years and years because I was fucking scarred as a child by the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Really, I was convinced that that guy was going to come killing me and my family for the longest time. So that really, you know, turned me off from those for a very, very long time. Um... But now, you know, I'm a grown man, I can handle it. And it's funny because now I've seen, like, The Conjuring, I've seen fucking so many of these quote-unquote scary movies, and none of them bother me. I don't get scared at all. Like, not even a little bit, they don't bother me. I would say that, uh, you know, this guy, Ari Aster, who's made... um, Hereditary and this other movie called Midsommar. Um, those two movies, I would say, are the closest things that I could say to being, like, genuinely, like, disturbed. Like, I would say those are very, like, disturbing movies, but not scary. I've never, I haven't been, like, particularly scared. Jump stairs don't get me. Jump scares don't get me. Like, I get more thrown off by, like, really disturbing shit. And, like, not even, like, like, ghosts and stuff, like, that shit doesn't bother me because it's not real. Like, I would get, like, what I find scary would be, like, some hidden camera shit or something that could be, like, legitimately real. 
like there was this movie uh i uh we need to talk about kevin which was about this kid who uh shot up his school like that premise i found very scary but the movie was more about like the repercussions towards his family rather than like the school shooting so like it was just like sad you know it was supposed to be kind of scary but it was more sad than anything because it was like showing how fucked up his mom was after that and everything um but that's the kind of shit that I find scary is when it's like real. The ghosts and shit like that, I don't I don't really find scary. Hereditary is kind of like a ghost movie, but like it is fucking genuinely like very disturbing and I kind of like that as well. It's a, it's not that like, you know, it scares me, but it, when it bothers me, it makes me feel something. I think it's a good movie. And honestly, that movie, like the story itself and the ending is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. So if you could tolerate that shit, I would definitely recommend that one as well. Uh, and if you can handle that, I think you'd be like me, where you can kind of handle fucking anything. Because that's supposed to be, like, the scariest movie ever made, and I didn't find it that scary. Definitely disturbing. But, um, you know, if you want to push your boundary a little bit, I could definitely tell you that it's an excellently made movie. And I would recommend it to anybody who feels that they can handle it. Um, honestly, the... I watched this movie called uh, It Follows, which is, again, on Netflix. Um, that that genuinely creeps me out. Like, there's not... I don't get scared by anything, and it's rare that I even get, like, remotely creeped out. This movie creeps me the fuck out. And it is very original. It's kind of like an indie horror flick, like indie art, art house type horror flick. Horror flick. Um, but it's not like, you know, it's not like completely off the indie deep end where it's just like you would find it fucking weird as fuck and like that kind of thing. Like, I think people who genuinely like, like kind of like scary movies, uh, even if you don't like, it's not genuinely scary. I think it's just kind of creepy. And I think anybody can appreciate that. This is a fucking awesome, awesome movie. This is another one where I was just like, holy shit. I was really blown away by just how effective it was and how good it was and how original it was. Um, I don't know how much it plays into the... Like, it, there are moments that play into the jump scares, but they're just, just really just genuinely, like, fucking creepy, goose goosebump-inducing moments that make me, you know, definitely recommend this to pretty much anybody who's, <laughs> who's looking for a good creep-out sesh. Um, comedy movies... You know, how many good ones do they even make anymore? They don't make any good comedy movies anymore. But the ones that I've been rewatching are Kevin Smith movies, uh, which I will get to the reason why in a second. Kevin Smith movies are Clerks, Mallrats, Jane Silent Bob, uh, Clerks 2. They made a remake of Jane Silent Bob. Uh, the one that I haven't seen is Dogma, which I definitely want to get around to. But if you haven't seen Clerks, like, you got to fucking see that shit. That's one that I think that a lot of people haven't seen just because it's like, you know, uh, it's just, um, you know, it was really early on in his career. It's what made, it's what made these guys famous, basically. And uh, that, that's, that's one that like, you, you definitely got to check out. Um, it's just so fucking, the writing is just so fucking funny. And uh, it's in black and white. It's like fucking like an hour and 10 minutes long, super short. It's just these guys fucking around in like this convenience store in New Jersey. And it's like, 
simply one of the greatest comedies ever made. If you haven't seen that, check that one out. I also have um, the Farrelly Bros written down here. Um, Farrelly Bros, I feel like, again, a lot of people have seen their movies, but there are some of them that people maybe haven't seen. You know, some of the ones that people probably have seen include, obviously, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, There's something about Mary, me, myself, and Irene, Shallow Hal, Fever Pitch, A Heartbreak Kid, Hall Pass. And, uh, you know, they, they made The Green Book, too, which was an amazing movie as well. You know, not obviously their usual shtick. Um, but two that I don't think get nearly enough credit or nearly enough views or, you know, a lot of people may have seen There's Something About Mary, but <laughs> you need to go and watch it again. And if you haven't seen it, shame on you. That is simply one of the all-time funniest fucking classic movies ever. That is a fucking phenomenal phenomenal movie needs to be seen again and again and again i mean that is early career stiller at his fucking best um that one and kingpin the bowling movie i showed a friend of mine that this year i mean he fucking loved it it is with bill murray and woody harrelson two familiar fucking favorites and then uh the the annoying cousin from um Christmas Vacation, fucking Randy Quaid, like, it, this is, the Kingpin is <laughs> simply one of the fucking funniest movies that nobody's seen. It was made in, like, 95 or 96 or some shit. Needs to be seen. Absolutely, desperately needs to be seen by everybody. That is one that will make the whole family just fucking belly laugh. Um, so that takes a care of comedy, horror, upcoming drama, and we did action. So we got two, we got two left here, folks. Bear with me. Sci-fi. Oh boy, do I love sci-fi. Sci-fi is probably my favorite genre, I would say. Um, yeah, probably. Sci-fi or like art house. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Let's work through it. So, sci-fi. So, I saw Dune as soon as it came out this year. I fucking loved it. People who don't love it say that the last, you know, kind of like fifth of the movie is very slow, which obviously I agree with. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't take the necessary time to appreciate that this is part one of a much grander scope. So while the end didn't need to be as slow as it was, uh, you know, to me, you can't judge the movie as a stand. Yeah. I mean, as a standalone movie, it was excellent. Like it's basically like game of Thrones in space. And uh, the movie was awesome. Like no qualms about it at all. 80, 80, 85% of the way through then the last 10, 15%, whatever, was definitely slow, but it was as they were kind of like, you know, it was almost like the introduction to something new, and you know how like the first 20 minutes of like a large-scale movie like that can be very slow, as like they're introducing the characters and blah, blah, blah. That's basically what they did both at the beginning and at the end of the movie, which I felt like was wore a lot of people out towards the end. But that's all it is. But, you know... It's going to be interesting to see how that segues into the second part. So 
If you are interested in engaging into Dune, you have to be willing to engage into the whole, you know, whether it's going to be a trilogy or whatever. You have to be, it's a, it's a sum of the parts, right? And, and this part was good as a standalone, but again, it is one part of a continual sum. So we're going to have to see or keep seeing everything to see what the actual end result is. Um, but if that's something you're interested in, if you're interested in seeing the whole scope of the story, then obviously you need to go see it. And I think it's well worth your while. Um, Looper is another one on Netflix, uh, made by, uh, Ryan Johnson, who is famous for making, uh, Knives Out. Everybody loved that movie. I think this one's better. Looper is with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who everybody knows from so many different things, and Bruce Willis, and Emily Blunt, who also a lot of people are familiar with, yet this movie somehow kind of falls by the wayside. It's on Netflix right now. It's basically like, you know, some sort of entanglement between Joseph Gordon-Levitt, his future self, and this gang that currently operates both in the present and the future. It's fucking awesome. It's awesome. Absolutely needs to be seen by any sci-fi fan. I think anybody, anybody of any age, any gender, whatever, would appreciate this movie. Um... Chappie is another one that somehow just, I think, just got crushed by both audiences and critics for no reason. <laughs> you know, I thought this was a good movie. Um, you know, I love the director. Neil Blomkamp is the South African guy who's famous for making District 9 and Elysium, which are both fucking amazing, amazing movies. And this was his third movie, and it was considered a huge disappointment. It's basically ruined his career um, thereafter because, you know, his movies require such a big budget and people were not willing to keep, you know, uh, producing his movies because they were so expensive and then uh, performed so poorly at the box office. But I think as a standalone movie, uh, if you watch it now... I think it's kind of gotten some steam as like a cult movie. Um, you know, there are definitely certain parts of it that it's like, where, where are we going with this? Because it's basically about, um, you know, a, a future society where the police force is uh, essentially a, a objective robot. So... They don't have, like, cognitive thought. They can't make decisions. It's just, like, there's right and there's wrong. And that's how they kind of operate. But one of the, you know, scientists who creates the robot police force ended up making some sort of technology that did give this one particular uh, robot cognitive ability. But his cognitive ability can only grow from, you know, like we do. Like, he starts off like a fucking baby and, you know, he can learn at a much faster rate and how to do things uh, because he's a fucking robot. But, you know, he starts at like an infantile stage and has to learn things. And he ends up in like the hands of some gang because he gets thrown out because they were like, this is dangerous because it's artificial intelligence and it is dangerous. And we'll get to that, too, in a second. Um, 
but the the guy who created it wanted to save him and for whatever reason like asked this gang to like hide him but like they end up start using him to their advantage and it's kind of you know it kind of grows from there where you know the 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 lab finds out that this thing is still alive and they need to go out and destroy it and everything um there are definitely like in the middle of the movie there's probably a th- like the third middle of the movie is like what the fuck are we doing here which i think lost a lot of people but the beginning and the end uh, thirds or sections of the movie are absolutely fantastic. It has a lot of really, really, really interesting ideas for anybody who appreciates something like with, you know, with artificial intelligence and robots and that kind of futuristic society, whatever. You, I think, would be like me in the sense that you can get over some of the shortcomings in the execution, at least in the middle part of the movie to really appreciate, um, kind of the, the, uh, reach that was going on here. And even some of the action scenes and stuff like that is really fucking good. So I, I, I am personally a huge fan of this movie. Um, and anybody who likes this kind of stuff as well, I think you would appreciate it too. Speaking of artificial intelligence, Ex Machina is another one that I've been pushing majorly on other sci-fi fans that I know. Uh, There is simply, I mean, you know, for me, as a huge sci-fi fan, um, you know, it's in the top five, probably top three. I mean, mine are like 2001 A Space Odyssey is definitely the best sci-fi movie, as far as I'm concerned. But then you got like uh, District 9... Interstellar, um, and and and, the, and definitely this movie. I I wouldn't put <laughs> I wouldn't put any of those in any particular order. Like I think I could make a very strong case that Ex Machina is the second greatest sci-fi movie ever made. You know, I would say yeah, probably it probably is that or Ex Machina, uh, or excuse me, yeah, District Nine or Ex Machina or Interstellar. I mean, you could make a case for all three of those movies. Um, and for whatever reason, a lot of people tend to see District 9 and Interstellar and nobody's fucking seen this and I don't understand why. It needs to be seen. This simply needs to be seen. And you don't even need to be a sci-fi fan to watch this movie. Like, it just fucking needs to be seen because it's turning into the reality of, like, our world. Like, artificial intelligence is ultimately going to be a reality of our real world. And this movie is a huge, huge, huge expose on that reality and it needs to fucking simply be seen that's all i'm gonna say um my last one here um oops uh my last one here for sci-fi um is they live this is another movie that simply needs to be seen by everybody they live is essentially I mean, it's an 80s movie made by the, the great John Carpenter, uh, director of The Thing, the original Halloween, the original Assault on Precinct uh, 13. Brilliant filmmaker. Uh, Escape from New York. Brilliant. Uh, this movie is another one of his that is just not as popular as some of his other ones for, I don't know. I don't know what reason. But this one needs to be seen. Uh, especially in today, you know, with our world of media and politics and stuff and some of the other things that I've discussed on previous 
previous uh, episodes, <coughs> this is a movie that fucking is right up my alley. And if you appreciate any of the things that I have said, yeah, this is a movie that's up your alley. Um, it's basically about a secret, not a, not a secret society, but it's about a, um, a, a faction, uh, group who basically discovers that, um, our world is being controlled by super powerful people who, and this is where it takes a little bit of a liberty, who are not actually human. And they basically, you know, we get tricked into thinking that they are human. So it's like, you know, you have like this elitist group who was sent here from another planet to, to come here and control humans. And nobody knows because they all look like fucking humans. And this faction creates a, uh, a pair of sunglasses where if you put them on, you could see the reality of the world. So you could see these different aliens, you could see which people are an alien and which people are actually human. You could see, you know, what the tabloids actually, what the underlying meaning behind some of the tabloids are. It's like, you know, that's where, you know, you see like the, the brand Obey. That's where it comes from is this fucking movie where everything is like Obey, conform, Obey, conform. Like that artist who started doing this shit, that's this is where he fucking got it from. And it's really this whole movie about like, this type of shit about these people controlling us and like, you know, what we read and what we see, what we hear is kind of all bullshit. That's what this movie is fucking all about. And if you like that shit like I do, you need to see this fucking movie because it's awesome. Uh, all right. So this kind of gives, I purposely put this one last because this is, this, this is my art house indie uh, section, which is some of the shit that I fucking love and I'm really passionate about that absolutely nobody will watch. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's okay. I'm just going to talk about it because it's the shit that I really like, um, as well as sci-fi. Like I said, between this and sci-fi, these are my two favorite genres. Uh, so one that I actually watched last night is this movie called Attack the Block, which is... Uh, remember that movie, um, that they made that was kind of shitty with like Jonah Hill and Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn, The Watch. Remember that movie? Um, was it called The Watch? Let's see here. Uh, yeah. In 2012, The Watch. Yeah, it was that, yeah, it was Rogan and Evan Goldberg wrote it. It was Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill. They were like the neighborhood watch, and then like there was some alien invasion. Um, that's basically what Attack the Block is. Attack the Block is, um, was made before it, which is kind of interesting, because it's funny now that I'm thinking about it, because uh, fucking, uh, what was that other movie? Uh, this is the end. Was a direct. They stole that from another British movie. Like this is the end. As great as that movie is, Seth Rogen and his buddy Evan Goldberg stole that movie from fucking the guys who made Shaun of the Dead. They stole like it was the same fucking premise of a British movie. They just fucking redid it and made it their own. And that's funny that I'm thinking of the watch right now because this is again. They took the idea from this fucking British movie and made it their own. And just stole the idea. Whatever. 
Um, so this Attack the Block movie is basically the original British version of this shitty Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill movie. Um, and it's excellent. Uh, it's certainly not as funny. Definitely way better made, way better written, um, way scarier. Um, also, at times, very, very funny. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's basically these kids who are like kind of thugs. They, they go out, mug this lady, and while they're mugging her, there's an alien invasion. And all of a sudden, they become like the guys who, um, you know, start protecting people. And uh, if you got an hour and a half to kill to just watch some, like, senseless alien violence and get a few laughs in, this is a movie that, for whatever reason, just never quite took off where, like, it would be popular if it did get the play that it probably deserves. Some of these, some of the other movies that I've recently rewatched or watched for the first time that fall into this category, the rest, the rest of these... Uh, I would say are in this genre because they're like clear like pieces of provocation um, The Beach is a movie uh, made by uh, again a really talented filmmaker a really talented writer um, and starring Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> I don't know why this movie didn't fucking take off I really don't uh, it was made in 2000. Um, it actually did do decently well at the box office, but it got crushed critically. It got crushed by even like mass fanhood um, and was just crushed. But since then, it's kind of turned into this art house, like cult, uh, like appreciation film where it's just like, it's one of those that are just like, absolutely bombed when it came out and then people 10 years later were like maybe this isn't so bad like maybe it's actually really good and I'm definitely of that opinion as well the soundtrack is fucking awesome like it is like pure like uh, fucking 2000s just like vibe and it's 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 honestly it is a um really an indictment on like um you know kind of uh pre 9-11 like you know kind of where america was going where it was just like people just being really shitty and looking for an escape kind of thing and it's basically like um leo is just this kid who you know is backpacking in like thailand and shit and um he hears this rumor or something about this island where these people are basically living some sort of uh, cult. Like, they're, they're living on this beach where they're living, like, very freely. And it's just kind of like this awesome, like, golden hidden community type thing. And he finds himself there. And... Um, the, the movie kind of like, you know, uh, this little beach community has like its own, you know, government. They have their own system of the way that they do things, et cetera, et cetera. So it's le about the, you know, Leo going on these adventures and finding this like, you know, it's almost like this fucking Atlantis type community. And, um, you know, kind of the shit that happens in this 
rural beach community in the middle of fucking Thailand somewhere. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, um, you know, it's like a secret society beach community type thing. Like it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And, and, um, you know, this is one again, totally recommend for anybody who's interested in that kind of stuff. Um, then some of the other ones, uh, I mentioned spring breakers before recently rewatched that. That is a fucking absolute masterpiece of a movie. I don't care what anybody says. There are going to be people who fucking hate that movie. And I think that's exactly why it's so good. It is like the ultimate just fucking troll of just, you know, regular like Instagram type society. It just fucking totally shits on that. And shits on everything. And it's just one of the biggest troll movies I've ever seen in my life. And I think it is so good. And I think, like, it is so real, too. Because, like, people in that movie actually act like that. And maybe not so much on the... uh, the, You know, the girls in that movie is certainly a critique on the way that, you know, social media and stuff function today and all that good stuff. But, like, James Franco's character, like, that is a real fucking guy somewhere. And, like, they even got, like, Riff Raff, like, sued them because they thought that James Franco looked too much like fucking Riff Raff. And, like, those people really exist doing that fucking crazy, like, weird shit and thinking and, like, being crazy like that. And if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think that if you've seen it, I think if you appreciate it, I think you will agree with me that that's a fucking awesome, awesome movie. If you've seen it and you hated it, I think you need to give it another fair chance and rewatching it and not taking it so seriously and taking it in the sense that, like, it is a fucking troll and a critique on a lot of shit that it's talking about. And if you haven't seen it, you need to fucking see it. And, like, maybe it's better if you watch it blindly and let it be like, what the fuck did I just watch? Or knowing it, I don't know. Um... So that movie was written and directed by this guy, Harmony Corrine, who's, like, this fucking, like, New York City, like, pussy guy who's, like, this little pussy Jew, basically. He's, like, this quiet little guy. And he's made a career of just, you know, making movies, like, that are so fucking ridiculous like that and are, like, you know, his movies have often gotten banned at theaters and, like, Um, you know, he's received a lot of bad press for just being like, why are you making such fucking, like, just absurd, obscene movies? And his breakthrough was this movie called Kits. And anybody, (laughs) I mean, I would be hard pressed to believe that anybody who lived in the mid 2000s or late 2000s that like didn't listen to that kids album from Mac Miller, like Mac Miller's like first big album. That mo- that that whole album was like completely inspired by this movie Kids, which came out in 1995. And like throughout the album, you'll even hear like sound bites from the mo- from the movie. And like if you like if you watch the movie and then go back and listen to the album, you'll be like, "Oh, so that's where it's from." And like they're like, you know, a lot of rappers like <sighs> I just received a fucking phone call. So this is now the second time that I've been interrupted. Anyway, um, so that if you go back, 
watch the movie, then listen to the album, you'd be like, oh, it's like one of those like general realization moments where you can finally see. And like even like the cover art to the album is similar to the cover art of the movie. Uh, you know, other rappers like Wale, like it, it, it's a like among like the music crowd, um, you know, certainly like the rap crowd, um, you know, the skateboarding crowd, um, there are, you know, a lot of like mainstream references to this movie. It's almost like as if it were some sort of like rite of passage if you lived in the 90s to watch this movie because it was um trying to think of of something that would be a little bit more relatable to people our age where it's like you know not that it was like you know like two girls one cup right like it was something like that where it was like this movie was so taboo and like so frowned upon and such like a piece of provocation and such a you know uh nobody wanted everybody thought that it should be banned and everybody thought that it should just be like like it shouldn't be part it shouldn't be a movie it shouldn't be allowed anywhere you know it was almost like forbidden fruit like taboo or forbidden fruit or almost it was to the point where like if you didn't see it then you were kind of, you were a loser <laughs> you know and it was kind of like two girls one cup it was just like wow that's fucking repulsive and disgusting but we need to see it <laughs> kind of thing and, um, you know, I had seen the movie, um, you know, I have an older brother, so, you know, I've been exposed to things, you know, anybody who's got an older sibling knows that, like, you know, if you have, especially an older brother, like, you know, if you have a, just a, a guy who's just as nasty as every other guy, you know, who's uh, 13 or 14 years old when you're nine years old, you get exposed to shit that you probably shouldn't. And, like, anybody who doesn't have an older brother ends up getting exposed to that shit anyway because that's how that's just how guys are. Um, so I had seen this movie. It had been a very, very, very long time. And, um, you know, because I watched Spring Breakers, I was like, oh, fuck, this guy, you know, this little Jewy guy who makes these crazy movies. I was just like, fuck, I haven't seen that in a long time. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> so I watched it. And... You know, I think, like, that notion that it's, ah, it's so fucked up and blah, blah, blah. Like, it is. It's fucked up. Like, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to give too much away. But it's basically, you know, like, I've been giving out premises or whatever. So I'll try to do the same for this. Um, it's basically about this, this kid who's, like, 16 or 17. Uh, he's just, like, obsessed with, like like, banging virgins, like, that's his thing, like, that's what he loves to do, and he just loves to, like, find, like, other girls that he knows from school or from the, you know, from his area that are virgins, and he likes to bang them, and then the, like, kind of parallel storyline is this, this girl that he took his, uh, her virginity from her, uh, she was hanging out with a bunch of her friends, whatever, they were talking about sex, and, um, you know, at the end of, uh, you know, the conversation of the girls having sex and stuff, uh, at, at, during that conversation, a big clip of that 
is if you go back and listen to Senior Skip Day by Mac Miller on that album, at the end of that song, where there's kind of like an outro clip of like what would be a movie, this is what it is. And um, fucking, uh, so her one friend, we're like, it's weirdly like Rosario Dawson is in this thing, and fucking... uh, uh, Chloe Sevigny is in this too. Like you know, there was some ended up being some big actresses. The guys were all no names, um, but uh, you know they were talking about sex and they were like, oh, you know, we should get tested because this, you know, this movie's made in the mid '90s, so it was like, uh, it was like, um, you know, peak uh, peak AIDS time, right? Oh, let's go get tested, whatever. So the girl who this kid took her virginity from, she ends up testing positive for AIDS. So this kid's going around with AIDS trying to bang all these virgins, basically. And it's like, it's fucked up. It's fucked up because you have this AIDS aspect to it. But the movie, in reality, is like, you watch it, and whether or not people want to admit it, that's how a lot of, like, 18-year-old, or, you know, not, not even 18, like, 16, 17, 18, yeah, I guess you would include them in there. That's how people behave. Like, it's just like, you know, especially boys. Boys, when you're 16, 17, 18, like, you're going through puberty and, like, all you're trying to do is seek out girls and, like, you don't really have some sort of, like, like, like the, the, the full, like, moral compass hasn't developed yet in a teenage boy and they do some fucked up things. And, like, the movie, for the most part, if you take the AIDS aspect out of it, it's not really that fucked up, except for some of the stuff that goes on towards the end. And, you know, I think back to it, where I'm, like, watching this again, and I'm like, there's way worse shit out there than this. But at the time, you got to think about it again. In 95, in kind of, like, you know, the, the general vicinity of where like AIDS was really a touchy sensitive thing back then too I could definitely see why this was such like a big um you know movement type thing um where everybody was kind of seeing it and and you know it was a big uh it was almost like a status thing um makes it very interesting like kind of like the lore associated with it at you know and, and kind of what it what it meant at the time is almost makes it like very significant in that sense you know um but watching it now you know i i would definitely you know recommend it to people who can handle this kind of stuff you know there's going to be a lot of people that will be like what the fuck is this um you know i think a lot of it is like you know especially if you're a dude like you could see yourself, like, having a lot of the conversations that they have in the movie, especially when you were younger and stuff. Um, and obviously not to, you know, there, there are some fucked up shit that they do that <laughs> people that I know, including, you know, myself and my friends would never do. Um, but I think, you know, just from, like, a general perspective, like, seeing it now and kind of, you know, definitely... You could definitely see where things have shifted, you know, culturally, and you will understand, like, kind of, you will understand, like, some more references, um, you know, uh, just from, just from your point of view of, you know, kind of the music we grew up on and how, you know, a lot of that was influenced by certain things that many people in our generation haven't seen, such as this movie. So I think it's definitely interesting to to 
you know, give it another watch if you've seen it or see it for the first time, if you can handle that kind of stuff um, from that perspective and kind of compare, you know, the level of, you know, um, I guess, um, you know, provocation that's associated with it compared to some of the stuff that, that we grew up watching that, that was readily available on the fucking internet. You know, and you could see how, how much, how horrible, how, you know, how much worse things have gotten with the introduction of the internet, you know, I guess that's kind of the point that I'm making. So, um, again, I would recommend that to anybody who's willing to kind of push their comfort zone a little bit. If you're really that bored or if you like doing that sick sort of thing, kind of like I do. And the last one that I'm going to talk about this is the reason why i got back into watching the i mentioned all those kevin smith comedies uh clerks and and mall rats and stuff like that i got back into that because i've really been down this rabbit hole with like these fucked up like you know (laughs) movies that are being made for no other reason than to make people feel uncomfortable uh, Kevin Smith has started making some of those movies later on in his career. Why? I don't know. I mean, you know, he's a fucking filmmaker. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He's got boatloads of money. And, you know, I appreciate those types of movies, so he does have an audience for it. Um, he made this movie called Tusk, which is essentially one of those comedy horror genre blend type movies <coughs> where... Um, you know, Justin Long is a familiar face. You may not know his name, but you definitely know his face. Basically, he's like a podcaster who interviews kind of like odd people, like quirky people. And he goes and interviews this guy who then like holds him captive and tries to turn him into a human walrus. And honestly, I thought I was bursting out laughing. Again, it is quote unquote comedy at least some parts of it it's certainly written by a comedy director um i thought it was fucking genius i thought it was so good there this one is again something that like a lot of people probably won't be able to stomach but if you can and if you do appreciate some like if you do find things that are funny that are just so outlandish and ridiculous you know, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of, like, Louis C.K., and the shit that he says is so preposterous and so fucked up that it's funny. And, like, I, that's my sense of humor. And if you are in the same boat, I think you would find something like this equally funny. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of it is, is, a, is still a well-made movie. I, I Like, even the last scene in the movie, I was, like, fucking weirdly emotional, like... It's just so ridiculous, but somehow still, like, maintains, like, a level of, like, intimacy and stuff. And there's certainly parts of it that are a little scary. There's certainly parts of it that'll make you feel... Even if you're completely by yourself, you'll feel very uncomfortable. And I think that's, like, that speaks to the value of what it's actually doing. Because that's what it's supposed to be doing, you know? And if you really enjoy that kind of stuff like I do, then I think you need to see this movie. Um... I don't know what, what network it's on. I watch it on free somewhere. Uh, I think maybe even HBO, honestly, or Showtime. Fucking excellent movie. Um, 
But yeah, you know, these are the ones, These this is the kind of shit that I've been watching and the stuff that I like. Uh, you know, I've definitely given out a lot of good recommendation that I think, you know, more of the regular moviegoer would like. Pretty much everything other than the last five movies, I think, are good recommendations for anybody in this little, uh, little patch of uh, nothingness going on. And um, please, anybody who decides to watch any of these movies or is looking for something outside of these movies um, to be recommended to them, please reach out to me. If you do watch these movies, please reach out to me. Tell me what you thought. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you didn't like. And uh, all, all feedback is good feedback. And um, that's pretty much it for this one. Again, I will be recording tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do our picks. And I haven't quite decided what the topic of the week is going to be. But uh, it's a good thing that I have absolutely fucking nothing to do. So that's what I will be doing for the rest of my day. So thank you for listening, and I hope to hear from some of you.